0: I mean, you definitely want to come out fast and obviously
2: get off the field on third down or even take the ball away. And you know, that's something that we have all this, this whole season been trying to do. And you know, obviously the opponents have been coming out fast against us. You know, luckily we've been able to settle in and play our ball after the first couple drives. But you know, it's something that we have have definitely been talking about just starting fast and getting off field. Bill's safety, Micah Hyde as Buffalo gets ready to take on Cincinnati tomorrow night. You'll be able to hear pregame starting at 3 o'clock here. It's another night game. Hope everyone gets a pregame nap in because that's how we do. And, uh, hey,
1: let's see what we get. I never thought I'd be in a position where I'm like, can I I have not a night game, please? I know we just recently had a 1 o'clock, but... But I am. I am. Most of them are done. They're almost all so done. I'm so tired. I know. I'm so I tired. Know, but I am so tired. <laughs> <laughs> all the time.
2: It, it, hey, you know what? I get it. But at the same time, this is the weirdest schedule I think I've ever seen for a team when it comes to the amount of prime time in 425, like.
0: The, I feel
1: the like the back it's... half of the schedule legitimately shocked me when it came out. When I saw that many four o'clock games, yeah, it's been years since I've seen that. But the... I, I'm, I'm, the, I feel like I'm. Once we get into that stretch, I'm going to decide how I feel about it because I feel like it's just been so long. Yeah. But the four o'clock, whenever the four o'clock time slot came up. During the Bill's 1 o'clock era, if you will, I feel like it always threw me off. But I feel like if I get a string of them, I will get used to them and maybe like that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But right now, this current stretch of 8 p.m. and being awake until 2 a.m. <laughs> that's right.
2: Because you're I one of the producers with the I Overtime show. It. Yeah, I, that's right. I had to forget that little wrinkle for a moment because the difference between you and me is I try to go to bed after You get that. to go to bed. <laughs> No, I, yeah. g- I try. There okay. is a difference. That's fair. You know who else tries to get to bed after covering a he Bills under- game? He understands the 2 a.m. The problem, too. It is our friend Matt Beauvais joining us on the West Her Hotline. Matt, it's Derek and TJ. First of all, it's been a minute since I've talked to you, and uh, it's good to hear from you again. How have you been?
0: I'm great. Thank you guys for having me on today. I appreciate it. I am at a rest stop right now, I think like an hour away from Columbus. So making the drive as we speak to Cincinnati, getting ready for tomorrow, obviously, we got a good one.
2: Yeah, and especially since you're on the road, again, thank you for taking the time to uh, to join us here today. It's been a chaotic absolutely. season.
0: Yeah, it has. You're <laughs> absolutely right. It's uh, been a weird one to start, and but it, it's kind of fun, right? Like it's, it's a lo- I was thinking about it yesterday, actually, and I know that no Bills fans would sign up for this. But if they lose tomorrow, they will have more losses already this season than they did last year. I know that is not a good thing, but it has just been such a weird start to the season. I feel like for a little bit of the last couple of years, it's been a little bit stress-free. But uh, who knows? Maybe this team needs to have a little bit of chaos to ultimately get to where they're trying to go.
2: Chaos is one thing, but uh, sustainability would be one that could be appreciated. The offense looked like, In the first half, at the least, uh, the offense of old that we've seen from this team and the potential that we know that the Bills' offense is able to provide, the breath of fresh air, the up-tempo, and it seemed almost like a different strategy or um, play-call adjustment from Ken Dorsey with the offense against Tampa.
0: Yeah, it feels like they went back to their roots, right? It looks like Brian Dable was back on the sideline or back in the booth for a little bit. I just think they are better suited to have an 11-personnel-based offense and they just have three receivers on the field, one tight end, and one running back. I just feel like that's when they're their most dangerous. So for me, yeah, I mean, it looked much better, still a long way to go, but it finally felt like the word that we've heard thrown around so much the last couple of weeks, and I feel like it's been overused, is rhythm. But it finally felt like they were in a rhythm. It felt like when they needed short yardage, they were going to get it. It felt like they were doing a little bit of everything well. It didn't feel like they were forcing things. So that's a good step in the right direction. Obviously now they got a tough opponent in Cincinnati, their defense is good, so now can you do it against them? Because this game you're probably going to need to score some points.
2: So rhythm obviously being one of the biggest things about this offense, the other one of course being the fact that this team has been struggling to get production outside of Stefan Diggs for most of this season, but then against Tampa... Gabe Davis pops off. Dal- I mean, Dalton Kincaid is starting to get more consistent looks. Khalil Shakir, almost with his first 100-yard game of his career. Uh, how much importance is it going to be that the depth of the wide receiver
0: room continues to produce? They just need people to make plays. And I think that it doesn't really matter who it is as long as it is. I thought for a little while maybe they were relying too much on Diggs. But then I think I came to the realization that he's their best player besides Josh Allen. And there's no such thing as, I guess, forcing the ball to him. Obviously, you need your other guys to contribute. And I think when you're doing that, when you're getting that, that's when you're your most dangerous. So, yeah, it is important. Obviously, I, I really like Dalton Kincaid. I think that we could uh, see kind of the beginning of some really, really impressive stretches for him. Gabe Davis is a tricky one. Because I think there's times when Gabe Davis is great, and then there's other times when you just need him to be better. I mean, two weeks ago, five targets, one catch. Like, that's just not good enough. Khalil Shakir, I don't know. I don't know what they have in him. I don't know if he can be their, like, legitimate number three wide receiver. But I like his skill set. And I think that you could see a lot of him in kind of like the Cole Beasley role of uh, the last couple years. They just need somebody to step up. And I think last week was a good sign.
1: Speaking of guys who've stepped up, I thought Dalton Kincaid had a good week last week in terms of stepping up, and I thought it was great to see the Bills using him, and do you think we're going to see more of that uh, tomorrow night?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think when you look back at Dalton Kincaid's game, the touchdown that he has, it's a really nice play from Josh to kind of roll to the right and hit him on the move, but it's also a sneaky, impressive catch, because that ball was a little bit behind him, and he plucked it in stride and was able to still, obviously pick up the yardage and get into the end zone. His skill set is impressive because he just has really good hands and is a really smooth runner. So, you know, he's not obviously Dawson Knox. He's not the best blocker. He is more of a receiver than he is, you know, a traditional tight end, but I think that's totally okay. And I think he is a mismatch problem. I think against linebackers, he's faster than them. He's shiftier than them. And against DBs, he's bigger than them. So I think this is something they need to lean into. Obviously, when he comes out of college, there's the Travis Kelsey comparison thrown out there, which is nuts because he hadn't even played a a snap in the NFL yet. But I do think that he's got the frame. He's got the skill set of somebody who can kind of contribute in that role. Another thing that he's got to figure out, too, and I think they'll get there, is when plays break down, knowing what Josh is going to do. Because that's why Kelsey and Mahomes are so great. Off-script, they are incredible together. They're better than anybody else in the NFL. So for the Bills, it's when plays break down, which happen all the time in the NFL, will he be able to kind of follow Josh's lead? And I think he will soon be able to do that, and that can make him even that much more effective.
2: Matt Beauvais of WKBW Channel 7 here in Buffalo, joining us on the West Her Hotline. Matt, obviously... This offense goes through Josh Allen. It will only succeed as well as Josh Allen is there. Josh Allen is on the injury report consistently with this shoulder issue. How has he been looking, at least in the media portions? uh, And overall, how do you think this uh, injury will potentially limit the quarterback this season?
0: I think this might be a new trend, what we saw this week, of a little bit of load management. I think that we might start seeing him get a Wednesday off every single week just so he's not taking unnecessary reps when he doesn't need to. During the portion of practice we're allowed to watch, obviously he was not there on Wednesday. On Thursday, everything looked normal. But that's not a live-action period. That's just one-on-one, him throwing against uh, nothing to his wide receivers. So I couldn't really notice a difference. Obviously, you know, you post some videos from practice, and there's people who are like, oh, I think he's got less zip in the ball or something like that. I-, I can't tell, and I'm out there, obviously, every single week. I just think that they need to be smart here because it is a little bit of pain tolerance. Obviously, it's something that you do not want to get worse it will probably get worse just because of the bumps and bruises that happen in an NFL season. So I think that's why the Bills need to be smart with it. Listen, Josh Allen is at the point in his career where if he misses a day of practice every single week, he should still be able to go out onto the field on Sunday or Monday and compete, and I think he will be able to. So I'm not overly concerned in the short term about the injury. I think pretty much everybody in the league has some sort of injury that they're fighting through at this point in the year, but obviously you just also need to be smart with it.
2: Switching over to the defense, and um, obviously I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Damar Hamlin, obviously. Uh, we don't know if he's even going to suit up for this game, but he will be making his return to Cincinnati, the same field where that unfortunate incident happened to him. Um, how has that vibe been? I mean, I saw the... Fantastic article from Catherine Fitzgerald, by the way. That was a great read. Anyone yeah. that needs to, anyone that has the time, they should read that. And yes, that is a WGR person hyping up the Buffalo News for once. Let's go ahead and make history again. Uh, yeah. But that was a great—I I caught TJ there. Uh, but anyway, the big thing is is that it's a big story still. It's a big deal, and um, obviously the Bills' locker room—it might have a little bit more meaning there as they go back with Damar Hamlin.
0: Yeah, maybe a little bit of added motivation, maybe a little bit of extra juice for the team. I don't think he's going to play. I don't think it makes sense for him to play from, one, just a football standpoint, and, two, from just, like, a human standpoint. If he was on the fringe anyway, like, if he was, like, a legit bona fide starter, then obviously he would play. But he hasn't been active most weeks anyway. So it feels like why put him out there in this scenario with all of those extra mental hurdles that he would have to battle nonetheless A huge story just to be there on January 2nd when all of this stuff happened and then to be going back there again this weekend. This is the absolute best-case scenario from what we watched happen on the field. So that's incredible to see the journey that he's been through and all of the positives that he's taken from such a tough situation. I think the team is trying to avoid it. I guess there's two ways you can look at it. One, do acknowledge it and try and use it as motivation. Or two, do you ignore it and try and treat it like every other week? I think it's going to really just be dependent on each person. I bet every single person will think about it in some capacity. Some of them will try and brush it off to the side. They just want to keep this as normal of a week as possible. And I think their bigger motivation is honestly how the season ended against the Bengals, not the DeMar Hamlin stuff. Like Obviously, that's an added layer to it. But I think if you ask those guys this week, why is this game so big, much more, many more of them would say, oh, because they embarrassed us in the playoffs, not because, oh, we're trying to win a game for tomorrow. They want to win the game anyway. If they do, that's just a little bit of added bonus. But I think it is very much still the focal point is just like, hey, this is a team that beat us. They ended our season last year, and they're really good. Let's go into their building and beat them.
2: Matt, of course, um, defensively, they went ahead and added at the trade deadline with Rasul Douglas, and a secondary that could use a little bit more uh, firepower here. Douglas could be drawing in against one of the deeper receiving cores in the National Football League against Cincinnati, and this defense has been hanging on uh, more times than not as of late. How do you think this matchup is going to go, particularly with this secondary, against the likes of Chase, Higgins, Boyd, and company there in Cincinnati with Burrow throwing that ball?
0: I don't think it's going to go well, quite frankly. I think it's a really tough test. I think that when they've had other matchups against top-tier talent, they've actually stepped up. This is the second-best talent that they have played this year. I would say the first is Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, and they, they were able to kind of shut them down and contain them. But that team had Tredavious White and it had Matt Milano and it had Daquan Jones. So obviously things are a little bit different now. I think that you kind of have to pick your poison with them because if the Bills are going to do a bunch of dime stuff like we've seen the last few weeks, I think you will be able to limit, not shut down, but limit the passing attack for Cincinnati, but you're also probably open to giving up five, six, seven yards a carry to Joe Mixon if he plays, which, you know, it's kind of like choose how you want to play this game. The Bills did this against the Chiefs a few years ago. It was the COVID season. It was before the rivalry had really started. But they basically sold out to stop the passing game for Mahomes. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire Clyde Edward just, like, gashed them continuously on the ground. And it kept the game close, but they weren't able to make a play at the end. And, and uh, the Chiefs were ultimately able to win the game. I think for the Bills, that's kind of going to be the approach this week. They're going to do everything that they can to try and contain those big play-wide receivers and just let the Bengals run on them and hope that they can make a play or two. It could be one of those games where you let them march down the field and then you just hope that you hold them to field goals when they get into the red zone or when they get into, you know, a scoring position. So I I don't love the matchup. I think if you were playing them in a couple weeks, you would have Russell Douglas better acclimated. You would have Linval Joseph better acclimated. I think both of those guys probably play, but I think their roles are going to be limited. I mean, for Douglas, he'll have two practices with the team. Same thing for Joseph. Like That's a lot to ask. I know they're veterans in the league, but that's a that's a big adjustment. So I think the timing of the matchup is not great for the Bills just because those guys are still so fresh.
2: Matt Bovey joining us on the West Her Hotline. Matt, linebacker has been evolving since Matt Milano has left this team due to injury. And of course, uh, initially it looked like They were going to try to have Dorian Williams really try to settle into the role. Tyrell Dodson has been getting more snaps as of late as well. The linebacker situation here, obviously, it's not going to be the same, and dealing with the depth of this, we've been seeing more of Jordan Poyer getting looks at linebacker on Mm -hmm. passing situations.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's trying to figure out who are your guys on defense, not so much who are your best safeties, who are your best linebackers, who are your best defensive linemen. I think Jordan Poyer is a good enough tackler that you can put him there and know that you're not completely screwed if they decide to run the ball, but obviously he has a better range of motion and he's faster than Tyrell Dodson. He's more instinctive at this point in his career than Dorian Williams. They like, obviously, what they've seen from Terrell Bernard. I think this is a way for them to throw some teams off a little bit because now you've also got Taylor Rapp out there who is somebody who I think is one of your probably 11 best players defensively to be out there on a more consistent basis. So I, I think that this goes back to, though, what we were just talking about of like against the team that passes a lot, you're probably going to see this more often against the team that really runs the ball. Well, you won't see it more often because it makes you lighter. And then you're worried about missing tackles and screen passes and all of that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a, 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 a dependent thing on who you are playing. The issue they'll run into this week, though, is that the Bengals can do both. They can run and they can pass, which is a bit problematic.
2: Alright, so, of course, one of the big ways you can screw up a uh, a passing game and, and mess up with routines is The pass rush, and the Bills have been one of the better units at that all year. There is one name, though, that we're trying to hope to see more and more of as the season grows later on, and that is Von Miller. Obviously, Leonard Floyd leads this team with 6.5 sacks. Miller has still been trying to slowly acclimate into the lineup with higher snap counts coming each week. Uh, How has he been uh, looking, in your opinion, and how close do you think he can be getting as the season continues on?
0: I think they are taking this very slow, and I also think it's intentional. I think just because Von Miller is healthy enough to play – does not mean that he is 100% or even close to it. He's still got a big brace on his ankle, or not on his ankle, on his leg. So obviously he's trying to kind of work that off, and that's going to be on until about Thanksgiving, I think he said, and then he can take the brace off. So I think you'll see an even better version of Von Miller once that brace ultimately comes off of his leg. So up until that point, I think it's use him on obvious passing downs Hopefully, that he brings a spark. I think the bigger thing for them, honestly, right now is Greg Rousseau. Greg Rousseau has been playing banged up a little bit too with that foot injury and the ankle. So for him, it's when he was healthy, he looked like a difference maker as well. Leonard Floyd has been awesome, Ed Oliver has been awesome. Can you get Greg Rousseau back to healthy Greg Rousseau, who was also great at the beginning of the year? And then once that happens, obviously you can sprinkle in Von Miller a little bit. Von Miller right now does not look like somebody who is going to completely change a game. But I think the hope for Bill's fans and for the team is that he can make one or two big plays a game and then eventually that will turn into three or four or five or whatever that is down the road.
2: All right, Matt, I'm going to ask you, It's prediction time, uh, of course. Uh, Uh, Yep, uh, sorry, I've got to do this uh, to somebody. uh, And I'm making making you do this while you're driving. So I am asking a lot from you, my friend, so I do apologize. But how do you ultimately think that this game ends
0: up going? I've been going back and forth all week. (laughs) I don't really know, which I know is probably, you know, everybody who's listening is like, isn't it your job to know? And I'm like, yeah, sort of. But at the same time, they're two good teams. I could see either team winning. I think the Bengals win because I think their mismatches are better suited for them than the Bills' mismatches that they have against the Bengals. I will say this, though. I think it's a close game, regardless of what the outcome is, and the Bills are absolutely capable of winning this game. I think that there's a world where Josh Allen comes up and he's like, hey, remember me? I'm one of the best players in the entire league. If he does that, then they're going to win. If the offense is still a little bit inconsistent, I just don't like the matchup for the Bills' defense against the Bengals' offense. I feel like you're getting them at a really bad time because now things are starting to click, and they haven't beaten this team. I mean, the DeMar Hamlin game, it never actually happened, but in the first two drives for the Bengals' offense, they moved the ball really well. And then in the playoffs, they once again came out of the gate swinging. So it looks like they're a team that is able to move the ball early on the Bills, and the Bills except for last week, have not been able to move the ball early against defenses. So I think it's going to be a little bit more low scoring than people anticipate. I would say if I had to give you a prediction, I would say like Bengals 27, Bills 23.
2: All right, Matt. And um, I we have the TV on for some college game day stuff. Mm-hmm. I just saw Jeremiah Trotter Jr., so I'm going to go get a cane real quick because uh, that's <laughs> going to make me feel old. Matt.
0: Oh my God, <laughs> Matt! Thank you for taking the time, though. No, of course, and I'm sorry that I picked the Bengals. I no. just think it's going to be a good game, and uh, whatever. That's just how I feel.
2: The only people, the only person that anyone's allowed to get mad at for not picking the Bills is Howard. So yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yes, make exactly. sure you let him know that we didn't get mad at you for picking the Bengals today. Uh, you can yeah. tell him that and, and let him know that uh, he's the only one that faces pick scrutiny.
0: Yes, absolutely. I will let him know when I see him on Monday. But thanks for having me, and have a good weekend, guys. Uh,
2: Of course, Matt, real quick before you go, um, you know what to do. Let the people know if they're hiding under a rock these days where to find your work.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate the little opportunity for a plug. At Channel 7, obviously, we've got coverage all day, every day, online and on the air. And then, of course, on social media, Matt underscore Beauvais. And if you haven't already, we'd love if you listen to the podcast, It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. That's with you guys over at WGR, myself and Capaccio. We do two or three episodes every single week, try and, you know, always have a post-game reaction, something in the middle of the week, and then something to get you ready for the game. So, oh, and we're actually, as we're doing this, Some guy in a Highlander just drove by us and held up his Bill's hat and stuck it out the window and gave us a thumbs up. So I'm not exaggerating. On the drive here, we have seen so many New York plates. I feel like this is going to be a very well-represented away game for the Bills. Obviously, the proximity helps, but it feels like every other car we drive by has a New York plate and then like a Bills or Sabres decal on
1: the back of it. (laughs) What else is new? Exactly. What else is new? Well, Matt...
2: Enjoy the time, of course. Uh, I know you're working, but try to make the best of it there in Cincinnati. Maybe bring something back that I could trade Ennis Weber in a third for. I deal. Absolutely. <laughs> Matt Beauvais of Channel 7, WKBW here in Buffalo, joining us here on the West Her Hotline. Safe travels to him as he is getting ready to cover the Bills and Bengals as they take the field tomorrow night. And yes, Matt picked the, uh, the Bengals, and that's something that very easily any of us can see. Um, and how are you thinking this game is going to go? 803 551 888-552-550. We come back from the break. We've got ourselves a nice little segment. And then Brian Duff joining us at the top of the hour as we flip back to Sabres as they take on the Leafs tonight. But then after that, it's all you and us together. Within the sports misery, our teams are fine, trust me, on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours